as you venture west of Birmingham in the Ladywood district, you may find one of the city's hidden gems, the Edge Baston Reservoir. In this natural reserve stands a derelict building covered in graffiti, once known as the Tower Ballroom. Before its closure in 2017, this venue has seen 141 years of music, dance, cuisine, sports and romance played out in the most exuberant manner and forging the tower in the hearts of Bromies throughout the generations. The current plan coveted by the council is to demolish this beloved building and turn it into housing, a controversial idea for the natural reserve and a piece of local heritage. Following the production of two films celebrating its past and at times imagined future, this podcast aims to focus on the present and ponders the question, what spaces do we really want? Born and raised in Ladywood, Lorna Laidlaw dug her way into acting from an early age. A woman, a mother, an actress and director, Lorna's determined nature led her to appear in well-known shows such as Doctors or Coronation Street, representing black women for the first time in the show. A passionate and hardworking artist, Lorna discusses her childhood in Birmingham, her career, the prospects for youth, and the need for a more nurturing environment. At the screening of our films on the Tower Ballroom, Lorna showed special interest in diffusing the films to the communities. This episode was recorded at The Yard, a community space supporting local artists in Birmingham. Find out more at yardarthouse.co. An interview by Leita T. Rene and Jessica Samba. You seemed really involved when we were talking about getting the movie out. You said that we should put it in like retirement homes yeah. and in schools. Where did that idea come from? I, I, th- I think because because where I started off acting was in education. I did mm-hmm. theatre in education. Mm-hmm. When you look at pieces, you always think of the educational value of them and where you can place them that people can get them the most out of them. I think a lot of a lot of um, sort of films like that just get lost. And actually, when you find a place where they will be valued and moved on to different institutions I think that's when the magic starts yeah um I was involved in a project called the city of diversity with photographic images of um Asian and black immigrants when they mm. first came over to Birmingham okay and what was really interesting about that is that when the project first came out it was I think there was 10,000 pictures of people who had come to this country it was, a, it was so beautiful but what happened is is that the pictures got sent out to schools yeah. and the kids in the schools started to look at them then they went home and talked to their parents and grandparents. Then they wrote poetry. They wrote little plays. They started okay. to get really be interested about that story because I think that images and storytelling is really important. Mm. And that's what you do. Do you know what I mean? All of that is yeah. really important. So for me, the next journey for those films, and because the, the sort of Tower Ballroom was such a, a big, a big presence for such a long time, I think it's, really important because the younger generation has no, all they know of is a building with graffiti on it yeah and actually they have no idea of that that fantastic history that's in that building 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I've been around the reservoir, like when I was younger, me and my older brother, we used to go running around the reservoir. It was a thing we did on Saturdays. And we'd always see that building. I remember one time we were like, what do you think it used to be? We were just like making random theories of what it could be. And because it always looked like it was something, but then it just looks so run down now. We just wondered. And now with this project, I've been able to learn so much about it. Yeah. And I was just going to ask, what's your experience of it? Did you start going like when you were well, younger? Well, we started because I used to live in Lady Woods. Mm-hmm. So we used to go round the Tower Ballroom quite a lot. But when I, <laughs> when I was a teenager, there used to be bands there. Because we had no money, we used to sit down and just look poor. <laughs> And the Texas Midnight Runner came and they said, oh, I'm going now, nah, mate, we can't get no tickets now because we've got no money. And they said, oh, coming through. And oh, fuck uh. you. So we used, to, we used to do that quite a lot when we went to the, the tower. But I do remember going to see concerts there. Mm-hmm. I remember going dancing. I do remember going ice skating there. Oh. Not ice skating, roller skating. Oh, okay. No, no, there was no ice. There was no ice. That was the wrong one. No, there was no ice. But I do remember being in there. But I think that's what's really interesting about that space, that it's used for so many different Mm -hmm. things and people of different generations using a space. That's quite, even now, that's quite unusual. Sort of thinking about that because, you know, the projects where elders and um, our little people sort of inhabit the same space Mm -hmm. and both generations get so much. We're sort of going back to that. But I cannot think of any space mm-hmm. where you would get that cross-generational um, impact and also cultural differences. You know, Aswad played there. There was loads of groups. There was, you know, bands, pop bands played yeah. there, ballroom dancing, boxing. It was such an amazing place. You had youth where they used to do um, Saturdays or, or, or early evening clubs where young people could go and dance yeah. in a safe environment mm-hmm. then your grand would go in the evening to go and shake her stuff it's a fantastic space mm-hmm. hearing so much about it it's just so sad to see it go because even in the dreaming tower one a person was talking about how they used to be involved in the punk scene oh, yeah. and like another person in boxing and it's just so cool to see like so many different kinds of people all coexisted in one space and they all have similarly such happy experiences of it but then was it different days, were there like different events, or was it just like on a Saturday, it was all broken down for like everybody? <laughs> well, I think, I think the thing is, whoever ran it, and that's one of the things I kept thinking, I don't know who actually who actually ran the place, because it they were very smart. It, there was no barriers about, um, you know, this is a nightclub, this is for young people, this is a club for elders, this is that, whoever ran it was very smart. What he said is that this actually it was a community centre. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Which every single person spoke about. There was no trouble. I think it's really interesting because actually, if you were young going there, you couldn't make trouble because you know your mom, your nan, your gran, <laughs> your dad, your cousins would all be there yeah. and inevitably they would, find, would out. find out. Somebody mm-hmm. would find out. So you couldn't really make trouble there. It felt like a really safe space as well for people to mm-hmm. go of whatever culture you are. You know, women felt safe there I think it's a really unusual and it, I really do think it's a, a great loss for us to have spaces like that you know our community centers have gone you know places where young people used to congregate but that specific genre of a space where every generation would inhabit and also not feel embarrassed about being there mm-hmm. I think is quite special it is, yeah. I think it's quite quite special when my children were little people I used to take them around the reservoir all all the time 
and they used to ask you know what that building was and then you, you told them that and then you did ice skating you did this you did this and, the, and then they, they would go why were they painted pictures on it <laughs> it's an unusual place to have a, a venue like that it's the sort of place you'd think would be in the city center yeah but being by the reservoir like that that lovely guy said you know you know, before I used to go and, and, and do anything, I used to have a nice walk around the reservoir with his mm. girlfriend. <laughs> I used to go around the reservoir. It was all romantic. It was all free. It was all lovely and beautiful. Yeah. The sun setting. It said it was so beautiful just to have that space. It was a really unusual place to have a venue like this as well. I don't remember who was telling us this, but we had an interview with... Stan, I'm pretty sure Stanley, and he was telling us that he came out of the tower and he saw his now wife and then they went back in together and they did dancing and that's like, that's how they met and they used to sit by the reservoir and watch the sunset. And it's it's so lovely to hear because so many people met there and then his son did boxing there and it's just, as you were saying, just seeing like everyone co-inhabit a space, it's just, it was really beautiful beautiful It really is beautiful and one of the things, you know, marriages and love being sparked in that place Mm. and you know children grandkids all started in this building by areza all these new lives have spouted and if that building wasn't there you just think this so many families so many families and also interracial families Mm -hmm. wouldn't have happened because Mm. them inhabiting that space no other venue in birmingham yeah where you would inhabit that space like that and feel safe and all right to be in that space. Mm-hmm. It was way ahead of its time for bookings Definitely. and people finding love in a building. But it used to be called the Gay Tower Ballroom a long think... time ago. And then they were like, that would come with the gay on. And they took the girl off and it just became the Tower Ballroom. But, I mean, even that, they only took it off because gay once upon a time meant happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a happy, happy space. I think that the one thing about the reservoir, it's got such a fantastic history because you look at Victorian pictures of the place, you know where the tower ballroom is, just as you go down that little ramp and the tower's on the right. There used to be a bandstand there. So in Victorian times, Victorian people used to go and listen to music on a bandstand. So it's always had a connection with music and stuff. You can find pictures of, you know, fantastic fantastic Victorian dresses and people in men in top hats and the the bandstand there. So that little corner of the reservoir seems to have had a really long history in getting the community mm. together. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great loss to Birmingham really. Do you remember when you first heard that it was being closed down? I did. The thing is Unfortunately, because it's been left in such a bad bad condition, it was inevitable inevitable because Mm. it wasn't being looked after as well as it should. People were all flooding to town and all those generations were finding their own space. You know, young people were finding their spaces in in town. So uh, all those people who used to inhabit that space were finding different. And unfortunately, whoever ran it didn't keep up but it was a very, very opulent place and you need to keep that. And also, it goes out of fashion, doesn't it? Yeah. You, you sort of need to, to reboot, relook at it. And that's a money thing. That's a real money thing. So obviously somebody said we can't afford this. But I personally was gutted when I heard it was going to close down. But you also think some somebody will buy it because that's yeah. prime location next to the. You know, you start to dream and you go, God, if I had the money, man, that would make a fantastic restaurant a cafe mm. next to the, yeah, the by the yeah. reservoir 
I'm sorry, why are people not thinking? That would yeah. make in the most beautiful cafe, little restaurant in the evening, they sell beautiful meals. Sit out with your loved one, go for a walk around that restaurant, have a nice meal. I'm killing it. So how did somebody, yeah. <laughs> did somebody not think that that was a good idea? But unfortunately, we're living in a time where people, all they want is money. Yeah. yeah. It's not about sort of building, you know, building that community spirit again and and using that in a in a valued way that you know everybody around there can use it's about money stupid flats are not stupid yeah. flats people living them but flats are gonna go up there you just think it's so dry and yeah. unimaginative and you know i'm especially, sure they're gonna have great views of the reza but really yeah, yeah especially for somewhere like the tower ballroom it has so much history like you wouldn't even have to reopen it as the tower ballroom no. you could have shown the history but opened it as something new something new and inventive and you know all that because there's lots of archive pictures of the place so you imagine walking in that place with all the pictures yeah. that would have been the most beautiful thing but unfortunately we were in a time with money but yeah that place was really 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 special yeah. really special and my boys still think about him i mean the big big people with facial hair and everything <laughs> my boys <laughs> my boys still still talk about it because what we used to do if we used to take a picture when we used to go around the Reza in the same place at different times of year. So yeah. summer, spring, winter, the snow was up to their chins, God love them. <laughs> and autumn, but we used to take a picture of them in the same space every year because it was it was just a beautiful, a really, really beautiful place to be. Uh, it's going to be a, a big loss. But unfortunately, it's been a big loss to Birmingham for a long time anyway, yeah. hasn't it? Unfortunately. So you said that, were you born and raised in Birmingham? What was that like for you growing up, just in the Ladywood area? Yeah, I was born and raised. We used to live in Ladywood. And it was, I'm going to say, it was brilliant. Where we were brought up, we had all houses, all the gardens backed onto a little square. So all of the kids, and I'm going to be really honest, we were latchkey kids. Our parents went off to work Mm -hmm. and we were left. And there was no shame with that. All of us were in the same boat. We all used to play together. We all used to look after each other. If somebody's parent was turning up, they'd go, get home quick, your mom's coming. So they'd run in the house quickly like they'd been nowhere. We used to play in that area. Every Saturday morning, we used to go to the Gormant Cinema. We used to be up the Dudley Road, which is closed now. It's a, um, I think it's a bathroom shop. <laughs> but we used to go to the Gormant. But it was all, it was like the United Nations, this little group of little people. My sister was too young to go into the cinema. We used to put platform shoes on it. <laughs> and a big coat. But we used to do all, all of that. Do you know what I mean? We yeah. did all of that. Went all to the blues up on um, Dudley Road and Soho Road. We went clubbing in um, Birmingham City Centre. We, make, we, we got the most out of Birmingham. That's yeah. what I would say as a young person living here. One time... Oh, we climbed out the window. Don't tell mum. <laughs> we climbed out the window and met them. We were so bad. I keep thinking, my God, how did, how did my mum do that? We had this, I've got this, six of us. She, she must have been like an octopus trying to keep us under control. <laughs> but we climbed out the window and went clubbing in town, coming back laughing. Thinking we had the best yeah. time. When we got back, my mum was waiting for the umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> she cooked my sister and we ran around the block I swear to my friends laughed so much when we thought we could see her bedroom light we went back in the house and we were laughing years later I reminded her of this she said yeah she said I was so she said it was not mad I was scared because I went upstairs you weren't there I understand that as a mother now I completely understand <laughs> mm-hmm. that but she said, what 
what she did, she went upstairs and she could hear us laughing. She said she was laughing her head off. <laughs> <laughs> but she never told us. She just put a little vex face on the next day, but she was laughing her head off. But we had such a great childhood around there. I, I cannot, I cannot complain. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I cannot complain. Do you think you had lots of things to do when you were younger, like community spaces, or do you think you made them? I think, um, let me just think of how I went to a community setup. The thing is, is that I joined the Birmingham Youth Theatre um, when I was quite young, and then I think we we made things. Yeah. We, we went out, you know, we joined up in, you know, I don't, even now I still think, how did we do that? How did we all arrive at the same time with no phones? You know what I mean? Yeah. How did we all do that? We used to go, I'll meet you there at 11 o'clock at this park at this time. And we all went, yeah. And we were all there. <laughs> we were yeah, all no. there. Nobody we can't even organise that. We you, have like yeah. group you chats. I mean? And people are like, I'll be there at nine. You need to be there at 9.05, yeah. latest. And then people will still be turning up at one. And I'm like, what are Where you doing? You I know. I know. I don't know how we managed with no phones, but we managed to get to places. Yeah. and being places you know we used to organize like um trips down to blackpool as young people just thinking mm. you know what i mean no phones we told our parents we were going we did tell them it was all girls it wasn't <laughs> we used to go down to blackpool spend the day in blackpool and then come back you know yeah. we used to make make but it was a big group of think of the united nations that's what the group looked mm. like and that's what for me was really important when I was growing up, it felt like I was a part of the world. Mm-hmm. That's a bit <laughs> yeah. cheesy, but it did feel like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had. A, I will say I had a really, really good childhood growing up in Lakewood yeah. and Spring Hill and going up to the Reza and, you know, making your way up to the, the tower, sitting outside with your mates, laughing. You know, the, do you remember the old library in Birmingham? Yeah. Yeah, we used to go there and we'd just sit down there sometime. And the Odeon on New Street. Yeah, we couldn't afford to go into Odeon. But what happened is if there was any bands that were fantastic, what we used to do is um, go to the barrier, yeah. which means everybody <laughs> was at the back and we were at the front. <laughs> I've got a book full of autographs that really looks like I've had a great life in gigs. I didn't get to know that. <laughs> just got the autographs because we yeah. were there chatting, drinking. We didn't drink or anything. We just had a great time. Yeah, We just had a great time, really. One of the things that we wanted to focus on was um, what you want to see going forward for the youth, like in Ladywood, but broadly. Well, I, I think the th- um, I think we're all guilty of is that we're not very kind to young people. I don't think we're very kind to them. At the moment, I think our young people, especially on television, I think they're being used as telefodder. Mm. Every show is about some youth taking the clothes off or stuff. It, it's a yeah. real thing at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think we just need to look after them. I think I think with the, the death of community centres and hubs where people can go, I mean, this space is quite incredible. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And actually, if your, the youth services had evolved the way they should have, mm-hmm. this would have been everywhere. There would be somewhere where you could come and sit and you can make recordings. Somebody can support you if you want to just come and talk to somebody, mental health issues, mm-hmm. making sure that you're looked after. If the sort of youth services had progressed in the way that they should have progressed, I think that our young people would be in a much better place. Mm-hmm. I, at the moment, I don't think actually the nation like young people, which yeah. I think is a massive problem. But I think also television doesn't help yeah. that. <laughs> There's lots of factors that doesn't uh, that really do, it doesn't help with all of that. Mm-hmm. But I think for the future, I would want this for them. Yeah. 
this is this is yeah. what I would like want. Like the yard. Yeah, mm. I would like this everywhere for them. A really, you know, shoving them in a a, a, a a little tiny place with a ping pong table, and you think, <laughs> okay, I'm exhausted. My work here is done. Yeah. Is not good enough. Mm. You know what I mean? Because actually, the higher you go, the more we look after. Mm. <laughs> so I think that's what I would like to see: more prospects, more you know supporting young people believing them when they go things aren't right mm. you know i think that's what i would want for them you talked about teen tv i'm 16 right so i know what i look like but you know when you see like actors and they're like 27 and they're playing 16 year olds and it's like that's the body type for a 16 year old it's it's so ridiculous i think it is <laughs> um, but you know when i was young i never had any of that i think there's a Massive, and I mean massive pressure, especially on girls, mm. to be of a certain type. And there's very few places you can go to not <laughs> not find it. In your face. In your, literally in your face. Mm. There are a lot of people speaking up about it mm. now, which is great. But actually, speaking up about it is one thing, but actually doing is another. Mm. You know, Love Island, I've never watched, thank God I've never watched it, but it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's all things like this. Then all of a sudden, somebody's famous for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not about hard work, it's not about dedication. Mm-hmm. That's a very bad example to be showing our young people. <laughs> yeah. And there's lots of programmes of that ilk where actually it's not about you nurturing an urge to you know paint or you know make music or do this actually what it is is to be a celebrity and that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. very dangerous it's a dangerous thing i did a project ages ago at the symphony hall with little people and it was a singing project and we asked them what they um, enjoyed about it and nearly all of them said i want to be famous and these are primary school kids you know yeah that really worried, really did worry me that all they wanted to do was to be famous. And mm. so I asked them, what is being famous? And they said, being on television, having lots of money, la, la, la. I said, what do you want to do to be famous? Nothing. Because <laughs> they think it's like easy to just go on yeah. TikTok easy. and then blow up. And then blow like up and all of a sudden fame. it's in, that instant rush of fame. Whereas in fact, those moments aren't going to, those moments aren't mm. going to last <laughs> You know, the reason I've been going for so long is because I've been working really hard yeah. mm-hmm. to go for long. Didn't just, I keep saying this to my boys. I didn't just land here, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I just went through a whole process of things. And I think for me, it's really important, especially with actors. They, they think you get to a, a certain point and they think, oh, well, you can't go back now. And I don't think it, there is any going back. You're working. Mm-hmm. You absolutely. What's, what's going back? I would absolutely still work for a TIE company. I would absolutely still do all of that. I absolutely still work because it's important. It's important. It's important work. Mm-hmm. So usually while I'm at Corrie, I usually juggle all of that. I still work in schools. I still do workshops with um, university students who are coming out of acting and are terrified because they're just <laughs> like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm not going to get a job. So I still work in all of those in between everything else I'm doing. But, you know, I I think we just need to nurture our young people a little bit more because I think I think they're lost. I think yeah. everybody wants to be everything and not know what that is. Yeah, like not so, know what that entails. What, is, what does that entail? You know, once upon a time, you used to go, leave school, and you went in the same job as your dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then yeah. people went, I want to do that job, and I want to do that, and you worked on Now people go, you can do everything. Mm-hmm. Go to university, and you can do anything. 
And then you see people go to university and are still doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So actually, it's about finding the right place. Mm-hmm. University isn't everything. It's not right for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's about making sure everyone has the option to leap into somewhere that will look after and nurture them. And I think, uh, I think it's a, an, a, it's a little bit of a mess for our... Uh, I think we're doing a massive injustice at the moment. Yeah, and I, I know exactly what you mean. Because like in schools, they'll, they'll have like empowerment sessions where they're like, you can do anything. And it's like, but what does that entail? What does it mean? What does it mean? It's just what like it empty mean? words yeah. that you're throwing at me. And it's like, I can't do anything with everything. Yeah, like, you can't. It's impossible. And yeah. it is about looking and what is, what is your passion? What do you love? What do you mm-hmm. want to do? We're, and it's all right to change. Because yeah. we all grow up and go in a different, completely different. And I think it is that thing. I think lots of young people actually have no idea where they want to be mm-hmm. because phones open up the world you yeah. can do this you can do this you can do this you can do this so thinking well i think it is actually looking after and nurturing and making sure there are spaces that they can go where they can go actually i can do that mm-hmm. i'm good at it mm-hmm. i'm gonna go down this road yeah but i really don't think we just we're not looking after them yeah and i think what you're doing like with workshops and talking to university students is so important seeing someone who's a woman of color definitely like if i was if i aspired to be an actor seeing a woman of color like so prominent in the field would be so helpful it would be like oh i can do this it wouldn't just be like you're you're working to an empty goal it's like, yeah, and it's also i've just started approaching because I think going to secondary school sometimes it's too late. So I've started approaching primary schools. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to, I've been asking is not just me, other people who are involved in telly and theatre, like runners, mm-hmm. like producers, mm-hmm. like, but mainly black women, Asian people, to go into schools and talk because actually kids have no idea that there's jobs behind the camera as well. Yeah. And that's the other thing that you sort of open spaces and ideas up that they would never thought of Mm -hmm. so i've just started to go into i think two or three primary schools Mm -hmm. to talk to pupils about that aspect of telly and theater that there are other places that they might fit in and think about plant that seed early yeah so it will grow or not but it's about choices isn't it yeah just interesting that you mentioned that because that's exactly what i did at university and i had no idea that that existed until I was meant to do a different course and then I wanted to do something similar. Then I did exactly that. But then I didn't know that until I just did my research and stuff. So I think that it's important for people to know that beforehand. I, that you I, can do all that. Yeah, I think it's crucial. And I think by the time they get to secondary school, I think yeah. it's a little too. But to plant that little seed early on and talk about, you know, I know a woman who's a fantastic mixer. She mixes television programs. I mean, she travels all over the place. One of the only female women. You know, the only woman I've seen doing it. So I've asked her if she would come and talk to them. She said, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to, just to, to see people. It's all right building saying, you know, we have young people coming into here to look around the building and, you know, to, to about jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I did say to them, if they don't see anybody who looks like them, there's no point bringing them. Yeah. <laughs> Because they yeah. will think that that job's not for them. <laughs> it's important that that, that place looks like mm-hmm. it's welcoming it for them. Mm-hmm. It's important. But for me, I think it's getting in there early with young people when they're in primary schools and getting them fired up about it. Yeah. It's very, very important. There's this thing where people say you have to be from London to become a big star. So how did you from Ladywood, Birmingham, become... A big actress. I'm not a big actress. I'm not a big actress. What happened is, what happened is, is that I joined the Birmingham Youth Theatre. 
while I was in the youth theatre, somebody from a theatre company saw me in the youth theatre and asked me to join their theatre company. It was a very small theatre company called Taking Steps, and it was a touring theatre company that went round schools. And then I joined a theatre company called Big Brum, which is a massive company that went round loads of schools doing educational work. Um, and their, their work was very, I mean, it was very specific. I mean, they did one which was about football violence, which got mentioned in the Houses of Parliament, which was quite an incredible for this tiny little, but it was so brilliant, you know, and it's sort of in that company, we did stuff about women in science, about football violence. It was really quite a, a, a forward sex education, which will never happen in schools at the moment. But we did projects like that, which was so amazing. But in while I was in that company, somebody from the Birmingham Rep saw me and said, well, we're doing this play, would you, would you be interested in doing it? And I was in America when I was on holiday in America. And so it felt really Hollywood going, yeah, hi, I'm on holiday. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I'd love to do the play. But then I came back and then did that play, The Last Carnival. I've worked at that Rep since I've been 20. I've written, I've directed... You know, I've toured, I've been on the main stage, I've been in the door, so I've done every as I've been on the board, so I've I've really sort of worked continually at mm. that place in some aspect. The telework is a really interesting one that you first, it started with. Um, I was really specific with my agent because I've got little people, I have children, so I mm. said I cannot travel and do lots of things anymore. I can't, you know, travel all over England because I've got children now. Mm. So I said I needed to have, I needed to tell you, job. That's when I got the children's telly. And when I got that, I was working, uh, it was too much because I've got kids. And I kept thinking, I don't understand yeah. how you're working so hard when you've got kids. So I said, I need to leave because I need to be at home with my children. I can't mm. be doing this. And they said, what do you want? And I said, I would like to work like this. And they said, yes. Sometimes you have to be really honest about what you actually want yeah. you know what I mean and what I wanted was not to be working for seven weeks what I wanted is two weeks and then off two weeks and then off and that's what I would like and they said yes so that's why I stayed with them for a while I did um, Tikabila for years <laughs> do you remember Tikabila yeah. yeah I did Tikabila for years and I remember when I got that job and I didn't think I, I didn't think I would get it because I was really I did say to them, look, if you put me in a dungarees with an L on it, I'm out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they were so great, and that was fantastic. Then I got Grandpa in my pocket, which actually won a BAFTA for Best Children's Telly. And then I've been trying to get on Doctors for a while. I'll be really honest, they always auditioned in London, which vexed me beyond. So once I went to London, and I, I did I clear some out a bit and say, I don't understand why a Birmingham show has been cast in London, why you're not casting it in Birmingham. In Birmingham. Yeah. I just don't understand this. And then I phoned my agent and went, I ain't going to get this job. <laughs> and I didn't get it. But a few years later, I went up for a story of the day. And then, which they don't usually do, I went for an audition for one of the main characters um, who they wanted to be African. Um, and they were really specific. So when I went to the audition, there was all these people dressed in all African clothes. People had gone for it hardcore. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Hardcore. The aunties were really out. The aunties were ready to be doctors. They were ready. So I kept thinking, there's 
no way I'm going to get this job. Because also, I was a bit rank and I went, you sure you don't want it to be Jamaica? <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit rank. But I did it. And it's only, the, the accent was fine because I'd just finished doing a play in a, a South African accent. Mm-hmm. And Botswana accent, it's just, it's north of that. So it was okay. all cool. Went on holiday. We went to Bristol with me and my boys and blah, blah, blah. We're in this marketplace. And then the phone call came. And they said, you've got, you've got doctors. I've never seen them children leap up so high. <laughs> I've never seen them leap up so high. It was so fantastic. And so I stayed there for eight years. And then I decided to leave. And I didn't I didn't leave with any job. Mm. I just, you know, in your heart, you know when it's time. And so I just left. But I asked them. I'd also been directing doctors as well. I'd started to direct doctors. Mm. So I asked them if I could come back after Christmas and direct. And they said, yes, yeah, so you, you're already mindsetted that you've yeah. got something. You know what I mean? And then the, the audition came up for The Wizard of Oz. Now, The Wizard of Oz was a fantastic production. However, Oz, they wanted a man. And I said, hell no. <laughs> I said to my agent, put me up for it. And she said, Lorna, it's very specific. It says man. Yeah. I said, put me up for it. So I did the audition with Liam. I did a, all it was was a self-tape. And Liam went, I wanna. <laughs> so a, a black female Oz. Come on. Yeah. That's a level, man, isn't it? You yeah, know that what I mean? That is a yeah. level. But sometimes you go, I don't understand why it can't be a woman, actually, because actually you don't see that person. And it made absolute sense that a male head, and it's a woman running it, mm-hmm. is what yeah. interested me. It's a man. They all think this is a man, but actually it's a woman at the back mm-hmm. of it. And that's what me and Liam talked about. And I said, I really want to do it. Like The, the head needs to be yeah, masculine. Man. Don't do a, fem- a feminine head. So that was really brilliant. And then while I was doing that, I got the call for Corrie. So I went up for one audition, came back, and then I found out I got it. That's madness, that's isn't good, it? Yeah, that's incredible. Really However, again, Renkers, when I did... <laughs> Renkers, when I did myself out, because I love Birmingham so much, I did it in a Birmingham accent. <laughs> they came back with, oh my God, we love her. But can she do a monkey? <laughs> oh God, people come from all over the place, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I kept thinking. But I had to do it enough and all the nuts and which is fine. But I'm going to say to you loud, I have never been on telly with my Brummie accent. Maybe not. Which is really... In- no, she was doctors. African in doctors. Oh, yeah. oh, right, right, yeah. She was all down African in doctors. <laughs> but I, kept, I looked back and I thought, that's really interesting, isn't mm-hmm. it? I've never, in a big role, done a Birmingham accent on um, television. And I, I will uh, keep looking because actually it's a very rare, apart from Freaky Peaky Blinders. They'll probably call you on, on Peaky Blinders at the well, break. Well, Peaky Blinders done now, isn't it? Finished, <laughs> yeah. You are way behind the times, man. Catch up to us. Come yeah. on now. I'm so behind on like, television Peaky shows Blinders these days. Finished, but it's, um, it was a really interesting thing. I thought, oh my gosh, but that's why I keep pushing it. I think us could have been Brummie, but he would not have it. He says, no, no, that has to be American. But I've never trained. That's what I'm going to say to you. Mm. I've never been to drama school. I've just gone on and just did the job. And drama school's fine, don't get me wrong. But if you can't act, you can't yeah. act. Yeah. It's simple as that. No drama school's going to get you. Some people are very lucky. Uh, some people, you know, some people play the same character and never change that character mm-hmm. from film to film. Good luck to them. You know what I mean? Because it's a hard industry mm-hmm. to be in. But I've never trained, I've, ju- I've trained 
in the theatre companies I've worked mm-hmm. with. Like that's through what, experience. That's yeah, through experience, you know, connecting with people, talking to people. You know, Women in Theatre, which is another lo- local theatre company, they do lots of momentum work. We did a fantastic project called the um, the Vagina, mo- no, Cervical Monologues, which was about women who go for cervical smears and their stories done mm-hmm. with books all in black it was and it went massive they did another one called talking balls about men and testicular cancer mm-hmm. all of these things are really important yeah. issues to get out there and talk about for all of us so yeah that's what i've been doing do you think when people think of acting their first thing is like oh you need to be in big blockbuster movies and they don't really consider you know going through theaters having smaller roles I, I, yeah and i don't it up. think i don't think they, they do and i think people often come to me and go Oh, oh, give me the name of this casting director. Or give, can you give me this? And, da, da, da. and I go, I never did that. <laughs> when I was starting out, I looked and searched for everything. I mm-hmm. went out. If I really wanted to do it, there was nobody to ask for me. Mm-hmm. I have not got a golden door that will open up for people to get into acting. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I think you just need to be in the middle of it, work really hard. But mm-hmm. also, for me, is to be really honest with yourself. Be honest with don't mess around. If you say you're going to leave, it's not because you want more money or you're pushing, you want to leave. Yeah. yeah, you be honest with yourself and anybody else that you're speaking to. You know, when I had my little people, I was doing a job at the rep, but it, it was a Christmas show and I had kids to deliver to school. So mm-hmm. I said to them, I would like one of the flats upstairs. They said, oh, oh okay. And I said, they said, what do you want it for? I said, I want it to be a crash. There's another woman who had just had a baby. So what we did is that my friend is a, a trained nursery nurse. So she became our, our like nanny. So when we yeah. were performing, all the breaks were around breastfeeding, yeah. picking children up, yeah. bringing children back to this space. We would rehearse, know that they're happy, tea breaks, play with them. They know where we are. If we're doing notes, they just come and sit on our laps. But also, you think buildings like that... There's a large amount of women should have crushes. Mm-hmm. You know, they, there still seems to be this thing that people don't think about spaces like that where lots of people are parents, that there is nowhere for, yeah. for them to, to, to work. And it's long hours, like, you know, telly's not like nine to five. I leave my house sometimes. It's well, I'm driving from Birmingham, I'm leaving at 5.30 in the morning and sometimes... When I'm coming home, I'm not home till nine. Mm. That's a long, a long day. <laughs> it's a long day. You know, it's a long day. It's long hours, especially for the actors. But I just think, yeah, looking after people in workspaces is really important. But also, I'm not afraid to ask for that. So do you think being able to ask for the roles, even because you said Oz was supposed to be a man and you were just like, why not? Yeah. Do you think it's really important to speak out for yourself? I think it is, especially if you think it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I genuinely did think it was mm-hmm. a good idea. You know, I went, I did it, and it was a quite a while ago, and I think I was, I was pregnant because that's where it came. I was auditioning for a job. This person was not supposed to be pregnant. But also, somebody told me they're going to ask me to do a Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. Hermania, pregnant. I was going like that. That's, the story's <laughs> gone a bit weird there. Yeah. But they can make dresses to make. But this project sounded so fantastic. It was on an estate. And it was um, a woman trying to stop this gang of people taking over the state. And I said to the writer, she needs to be pregnant. And he said, I know. (laughs) I'm not saying it because it's me, even if I don't get it. And I tell you why. It's because when you're pregnant, you have this superpower. Everybody wants to protect you. Nobody wants to hurt you. 
And actually having that superpower on the state where people are bad people. Yeah. And actually there's this woman who's fighting against them. She's got this aura around her that everybody mm. wants to protect. So it was incredible. I went for the Midsummer Night's Dream because it was on my doorstep. What you, he did say, we want you to do it, we want you to do it. And it was too late because they ummed and he was thinking about how to rewrite yeah. and what he could do and blah, blah, blah. And then by the time they got back to me, I'd already accepted that. Mm-hmm. But the character was pregnant. Yeah. The character was pregnant. If you're going to do it, do it with good grace and mm-hmm. just think about why is it, why would that be important? I didn't want to do it just for the crack that I was pregnant. Like, what the job? But I thought, actually, she needs to be pregnant. So lots of little things like that when you're working that um, you look at things and you can, I mean, even in some of the Corrie scripts, you go, mm, you sort of need to tweak things constantly because it's not quite, it's not quite right. And I feel like this is one of the reasons we need w- more women in writing because as a as a man writing, you don't know the experience of pregnant women. No. But like as a pregnant <laughs> a woman, as a woman who's been you pregnant, you do. Absolutely. You know, when I was pregnant and I was massive, <laughs> my babies come out like that high with cigars like that. <laughs> my babies were like eight and a half pounds. I was massive. Well, just before I dropped, literally a week, I went to do a workshop at the Royal Ballet. <laughs> so these women were tiny. <laughs> When I showed up for the workshop, all the kids came and went, Raw, Miss! <laughs> miss, do you want to see? Miss, are you, why are you all right, Miss? <laughs> it was brilliant. Then the ballerina came in. I said, Don't stand next to me, love. I'm going to stand over there. But it was just these young people, all they wanted to do was look after me. Mm-hmm. Do you want water? Can we get you a cup of tea? You, you, you shouldn't be stand up, sit down, miss. You know, the, all they wanted to do was protect you. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think you're right. We do need we do need more more female writers in telly, in theatre, mm-hmm. in, in every aspect, because actually there is experiences that male writers just don't have. A, don't understand. No, they mm-hmm. just don't. They really don't understand. Mm-hmm. They really, really don't understand. I just wanted to ask as well because you were saying that you became a director. Mm. How was the how was the experience like? How was it different from acting? Uh, it, it, once I started when I started directing, it's because of my children actually. It's because I didn't want to go off touring. I wanted to be mm. with them and directing you there for a certain amount of time, and then it ends and mm-hmm. you're off. And um, I asked if I could have a bursary to study direction, especially for children's shows, because I'd seen a lot of children's shows and they weren't up to par. So I asked them for kind of a bursary. So I went off to Europe and looked at children's theatre in Europe, which is very different from here. They're far more advanced. They're far more creative. So when I came back, I started writing. Basically, it was writing for my kids so they could see some good theatre. So it was I did about three of them, and they were at the MAC, and then they got sold. So it was all good stuff, but it was all about story te- storytelling, Nancy stories, you know, all of those African stories, yeah. all done with beautiful puppets, shadow puppets, you know, things that the children can really relate to, just head puppets, really, really great. It was even if I say so, it was good. It was good theatre. But what was beautiful was once my boys came to see me. And I was in it because I wrote it and I thought, I'm not going to make some money somehow as a mom with two kids. But I was in it. And then my kids came to see it and they sat down there and I heard the littlest one go, Mom! And the big one went, can't talk to her. She's been somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I nearly cried. But it, it's... Um, <laughs> but uh, children's theatre... Yeah, I've written for her, you know, when I was pregnant with 
my eldest, I went to one show called Getting It Straight, which was about black women and hair mm. and how we were identified by our yeah. hair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So with songs and sketches and stuff. And I wrote it because I wanted something contained mm. that once I could, I could go out and tour it, which is yeah. exactly. But what happened is we took it to the rep and they said, oh, no, no, we can't do it at the moment because the season's full. Two days later, somebody had dropped out and they were on the phone. They said, can we put it, can we have your show? So it is sometimes being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and things are landing there and sort of being bold about where you send it as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So and the directing just carried on. You know, I started directing. I'm shadowing on Corrie at the moment. So hopefully going to do something there. But still, still writing. I'm writing about my um, great uncle who's 103 and his time here mm. and his time going back to Jamaica and my family and my siblings and stuff. So I'm writing that at the moment. So yeah. You yeah. know, keeping, I get bored very easily. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? I'm a really good juggler. Do you think directing has influenced your acting? I think the acting has influenced my directing. Uh, I think it's the, yeah. I think it is the other way around because as an actor, you, you can, for me, really quickly, what I do is I am a good problem solver. That's all that directing is. You know, how do you get from A to B and it still look nice and it's in a small frame if it's telly. So all of that, and if you're on a bigger stage, how can you make this look interesting when mm-hmm. it's wordy? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it is that actually while you've been acting, you've been able to problem solve. But also you've worked with really great directors, I remember, uh, who were generous and actually listen and think that's really important. When I did Romeo and Juliet and I was a nurse, now it, it, when you watch the telly version of the nurse, the nurse is really an older woman, a really old woman sometimes. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense because she was a wet nurse. She was a wet nurse to Juliet, so she would have, you know what I mean? Yeah. She would have been, she's had a baby quite, when she was a little, she would have. So when we did it, I said to the director, I said, I'm not feeling her not being at the wedding when she marries Romeo. But she said, it's not written. I said, I know it's not written because it's a man that wrote it. <laughs> it's a man yeah. that wrote it. There's no way this woman who's been this close to this girl mm-hmm. would not be. I said, let me just walk around the perimeter. She never mm. goes in, but she just walks around to be connected somehow. Mm. And she went, okay, yeah, yeah, let's let's do that. And so I did it, and I felt like crying because actually, it, it w- she would absolutely want to be there. Want to be there. Yeah. As a surrogate mother, mm-hmm. she would absolutely. A real mother was not a very good mom. She really didn't want anything to do with the girl, but. As a surrogate mother, she would absolutely want to be mm-hmm. at that wedding. So it's all of these lovely directors. There's sometimes that you go, I'm not quite getting this. And somebody just tells you one thing that you go, mm. oh, yes, thank you. That's it. And they solve a problem. That's what really interests mm. me. It really did interest me. Yeah. It's the acting that is the acting more. And that's the, influential. The, and the direction, it, it just helps you to, it helps you to help actors. That's right. for me, That that's it. And I think it's also that thing about, when you're in um, a theatre environment directing and a telly environment directing, it is very different. But what actors want is somebody to, you know, help them. Yeah. If they're in trouble, they want somebody to help them. I mean, telly goes so quickly. Mm. And sometimes you watch it and you think, oh, my gosh, a bit of direction on that would have been helpful. But you, you literally rehearse, a camera rehearsal, film, we're doing it, do it, do it. And you're thinking, wow. But sometimes it's all right to go, stop, let's just look at this yeah. because there's a comedy value here that we're missing. Can we? Is it possible to do this? And sometimes it's really great and sometimes you just go, actually, it's five to six, we need to get this done. 
unfortunately. Whereas in a lovely world of theatre, you've got three weeks to rehearse, so you've got time to play and yeah. look at things in detail and look at character detail. You talked about getting involved with the theatre when you were very little. Oh. How did that happen? Was that through school, family connection? Well, it's school. I did do loads of plays at school, mm. but the youth theatre happened uh, because my friend, we were doing my Duke of Edinburgh Award because I was an outdoor girl. Um, and so I, we did the gold badge and she we had to do a skill. So she went to audition for the rep. And I yeah. said, I'll come with you. I don't want to do it, but I'll come with mm-hmm. you. And the man said, you can't just sit there. You've got to get involved. I went, oh, God. And then we did it. And then we both we both got in. And literally, it didn't stop. I mean, literally, not one bit of breath yeah. from that start. I just, that's so cool. Like, that you d- you didn't even want it. You were just I like, I just oh, like that. I'll I come to. and support her. You know what I mean? And I went, he went, so you had to join you. And I thought, oh, my gosh, mom. And I just quit to sit on my legs. I didn't come to look. Yeah. But it literally started from there. And then from there, you sort of go, what, what, what's the next step? What do I need to do for this to work? I need to direct. You need to write because you can write at home. So every element yeah. has come from the acting. Mm-hmm. You know, you've pushed yourself. And when you're devising, I think people, when you devise a show, and I did a lot of devising, you forget that actually you're writing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming from you. All of that material is coming from you and the other actors. So you realise actually you can put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the future, what is your what future, future? plans? My future plans is to keep on going at the speed <laughs> I'm going at, because I'm enjoying the speed of it. My future plans is to do more directing. Mm-hmm. I would love to do more directing. I think there needs to be more people who look like us behind camera, okay. which is really evident when you're in some environments that there are hardly anybody. Mm-hmm. So, I think pushing and supporting other people in you know supporting writers which is what I do a lot of did loads of it over lockdown which was which was absolutely beautiful lots of zooms with new writers who were coming up helping mm. them get their scripts in order and stuff so that when things open up all of that sort of stuff I think is really important but um directing more and actually writing more I think the acting's good because also you sort of need acting that's gonna I mean really scare you at the moment I'm not being scared <laughs> I like being scared. Do you know what I mean? I really yeah. do like being scared. But sometimes you use one thing as a base while you're doing other things. Yeah, directing is really good. And it's, there's a lots of elements about it that I really love. But yeah, that's the future, I think. Going to do more directing. I'm working on a show now that um, Tonya Campbell's written called She's Royal about Queen Victoria and two of her goddaughters, one black and one Asian. So I'm going to be direct, directing that in September. And it's a real missing part of history. You know, Sophia Dollop Singh and Sarah Benetta Forbes were both goddaughters, one black. And I think I said to her, what's what is really interesting is that this woman, it was all sort of on the edge of slavery, all of this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she had quite a few people that she'd adopted. But you know, she had a Sikh cook who cooked curries for her who she adored she absolutely adored this man she had a scottish groundsman and all these people were frowned upon in the household because they weren't your archetypal yeah right but she sophia was actually part of the suffragettes quite high up in the suffragettes movement you wouldn't know that sarah benetta forbes was educated and sent to amazing schools by queen victoria went to queen victoria's weddings so she was high up in society Mm. We would never know that. 
And I think it's really interesting that she had these people in her home in stark contrast to our royal family. Mm. <laughs> it's quite an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're in the process of doing that at the moment, and it's got all. And I said I didn't want to do it unless it was all female cast. So it's all women. <laughs> Every bit of it is female. Yeah. Lighting, sound, everything, everything, everything is female. So yeah. That's that sounds really cool. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah, excited for that. that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because people always think about when you think about history, you always think about the bad stuff rather than the good stuff like that. So I feel like that will be a good thing too, definitely. I think it's a thing. I think it's interesting because also you try to put yourself in the mindset of these two women, right? Mm-hmm. These two women are heavily involved in a royal family. You would think that actually, when you're past, your history will be the same as theirs. Yeah. Whereas, factually, somebody's got a rubber and rubbed out these two women. I think that's what I think is really interesting about it is that actually there is no connection with this royal family. They were embedded in the royal family. But mm-hmm. also, I said it's re- it's going to be really interesting um, because actually there's going to be lots of levels. Queen Victoria might have really liked these women. But you imagine what the household would have thought of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what are these, why am I making up these women's bed? Why am I cleaning her club? Why am I? So there's lots of different levels that these women would have had to negotiate in that building. But I think it's, re- I think it's really interesting. And especially this, like, if it wasn't you, like a woman of colour, lots of people wouldn't have thought to think about that. No. They would have been like, oh, obviously, they, yeah. were, they were royalty. Yeah. They, they got special treatment. But yeah. it's like, no, because if you're a person of colour, no matter how high, how you, get, high you get, people will still, still look on see, you. Still see the colour yeah. first before anything else. Mm. And actually, these women were quite high. And also, Sophia being really quite an important figure in the suffragette movement you would never have sensed that in the film that they made i think it's really interesting i do mm-hmm. think it's really interesting and it wasn't this deep. i think she she actually was godmother to about about another six kids actually mm-hmm. it's quite i find it fascinating would never once once we started looking up i was thinking what you're killing me and the guy who was her cook she promised she had promised him a house and everything and blah yeah. blah once she died they shipped him right back to India with not a penny. Yeah. Not a penny. So you know the levels that were going mm. on in that building at the time. Like the second they could. Any, they would. Yeah. yeah. The, the second. But anyway, yeah, that's so that's yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna be more directing, more acting, more, more, more. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's all. Thank you so much for joining us, Lorna. It's been really interesting talking to you and learning about your life. We're really excited to see what you do next, and we'll obviously be following it, especially for Queen Victoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. sounds really interesting. She's royal. She's royal. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. You know the song? She's royal. <laughs> she's royal. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what we've called it. So that, yeah, that would be really, I think it'd be a really interesting yeah. project. Thank I you so fun. much. That was really good. It really, it was a real trip down memory lane for me because you forget sometimes you forget what you've done yeah. <laughs> you forget you've been around for a long, long time mm-hmm. and you forget your sort of progress of how you've got here um without going to formal education mm-hmm. literally learnt and honed in your craft on the job with the support and love of other people so um but thank you very much that was really yeah. lovely i really enjoyed it
Thank you for listening to this episode of Amplifying Voices. Don't hesitate to send us your reaction and comments either on Instagram at Bert's Associates or by email that is admin at bertsassociates.net. A Bert's Associates podcast produced by the children of the diaspora. Find out more on our website, bertsassociates.net. Thank you.